A good vach. The um, mission of Avram Avinu to leave his father's home and to go to the land of Israel is not just a mission that he personally had, but it's the mission of every Jew and all Jew, Jewish people to uh, make this world a home for Hashem and to bring Mashiach and to actually live in the land of Israel, the coming of Mashiach, when all the Jewish people will be brought back to the land of Israel. So Avram Vino begins his journey at the age of 75. The masters explain that 75 is the American equivalent to the word bitachum, the word trust in Hashem. And it was his trust in Hashem that gave him the strength and the energy to leave everything behind and to do the mission of Hashem. And so too is this true for each of us and all of us that our trust in Hashem is what empowers us to fulfill Hashem's intent for us wherever we are, whatever we're doing. On that note, I want to share with you a Maisa from Ramneyach Vlechovich. Ramneyach Vlechovich shared a story about a certain man named Abhirshke. Abhirshke would go to the synagogue every Shabbos, and there was one visiting um, Darshan. They would have in those days uh, people who would travel from town to town and share words of Torah. They would get paid to uh, give a speech in the synagogue. And to this visiting Torah scholar, he shared the following idea. The deal he shared was, No person can touch the livelihood of another. It's impossible and anyone can take away your livelihood. He explained it very clearly and very well that it's, it's not possible. If God has ordained that you're going to earn some, some, uh, something, it's not possible that anyone could take that away from you. So he took this to heart. And the next day, when it was time to go to work, he didn't go to work. It was a snowy day. And he said to himself, why should I go outside? And to make the trip with all my wares. He used to um, do business with um, the other non-Jewish businessmen. He used to buy um, different schayra, different merchandise. And uh, he used to always get there very early to buy the best merchandise and to sell it. And he said, why should I make myself crazy to get there so early and travel in the cold and the frost? I'm just going to sleep in. It's impossible that I'm going to lose anything. That's what he said. And he stayed in his home, and his wife sees he's sleeping, and he goes, okay, Hershka, you're all right, it's time to go to work. And Hershka's like, I'm not going to work. She's like, why aren't you going to work? He said, she said, because, it said very simple, that the rabbi said it's impossible that anyone could take away anyone else's livelihood. So why should I go outside in the cold? Whatever is supposed to happen is going to come to me. The merchants who usually sell me their wares will just come to my home. And she's like, Hershka, the rabbi who came got paid for his speech. You are going to be very angry when you're not able to make any um, money today because you're not because of your stubbornness. I went back and forth, and he was very determined not to go out there. And he stayed at home, and he didn't go out. Meanwhile, they hear we they hear um, the other merchants outside passing by the home. And setting up their shops, and 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 she is trying with all her might to convince her husband to go out to work. He's not going to go to work. So what happened was is that the um, 
the merchants in the town went to a competitor of Reb Hershka, and they asked him, where's Hershka? So this guy was a competitor. He didn't want to uh, tell them. What, he didn't really know where Hershka was, so he just says Hershka died. And like, no, he didn't die. It's not true what you're saying. And the other guy's like, no, how dare you say that Hershka died? It's not true. And went back and forth. And they said, you know what? We're going to go to Hershka's house. We're going to go to Hershka's house to see if it's true. They went to Hershka's house. Hershka was still sleeping. And they woke him up. And they all came into his home. And they, and they all brought their wares. And they, sold, they, 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 they um, gave him exactly what he needed to do his business. So um, this tzaddik, Rav Neach said, this continued on every week. Instead of Hershka going out and buying everything, all every single week, all the merchants that he previously had to go out in the cold and to, to, to buy from them, they all came to him every single week into his home and always in the merit of his emunah, of his faith in Hashem. There's a pasuk in this week's Torah portion, Vehemin Ba'ashem. Avram believed in Hashem. The word Vehemin is missing the letter Yud. Usually the word Vehemin has a Yud in it. According to Kabbalah, Yud is associated with wisdom. The Yitzhak says that Avram's trust in Hashem was without wisdom, without kunsin, without any tricks. And that's why his trust in Hashem was what brought down the great blessings of Hashem for him and, and for all time. There was um, a rabbi in, um, in Pesach, his name is Rabbi uh, Randov Eisenman, he wrote the story in the recent Mishpacha magazine that uh, he got a phone call from this uh, woman who worked in this in this Catholic hospital about two hours away from his home. And she said that there's a man, Lawrence, who he knew as Label, who was asking to see a Jewish priest. He's, he's very deathly ill, and he wants to see a Jewish priest. So... She called him because this was the Jewish priest that he knew. He knew who this guy was. This guy was born in the nineteen twenty three. He twenty, sorry, twenty five, and he um, was very close when he was younger to the Deja Rebbe. He was from Deja, Transylvania. Deja Rebbe, Rebbe Tzvi Panet, was his Rebbe, and he grew up as a Hasidic boy in the city and. Uh, he, when he came to America, he basically shed his payas, his sideburns, and all other traces of Judaism. And he only came to the synagogue three times a year, or Shoshana and Yom Kippur. He would drive to Passaic, and that's how Rabbi Eisenman got to know him. So when he got this phone call, of course, he hadn't seen him for some time. He was taken to this um, facility a while before. He hadn't shown up in shown years. But he got the call, the guy wants to see a rabbi, and he's deathly ill, so he went as fast as he could. Um, it was the morning of Tzim Gedalia, and he went to this guy's home, to this guy's, to the hospital he was in. The hospital was a Catholic hospital, and with all the Catholic symbols on, in, in the, throughout the hospital, he arrives in this man's room. So Label, or Lawrence, says to Rabbi, rabbi Eisenman, he said, I needed to speak to you before I passed away. I know this is my time, the time has come, but there's something that's bothering me, and I cannot leave this world without taking care of it. He said, when I was a young man, I was a Hasidic I was a Hasidic boy in yeshiva, 
And my mother cautioned me never to hang out with a certain group of boys. And I didn't want to listen to her. I was insulted. And I said something horrible to her that no one should ever say. But I said it to her. I said, Mom, I won't say Kaddish for you because of the way you're treating me. I promise you, I will never say Kaddish. That's what he said to his mother. Shortly afterwards, World War II begins, and he is separated from his parents, and he survives the war, Baruch Hashem, and it ends up in a DP camp. In 1945, he discovers that his mother passed away on September 20th, 1944. And he said because it was already after her yard site, he didn't say Kaddish for her the first yard site, then he got married, and he never ended up saying Kaddish for his mother. And he said to Rabbi Eisman, I don't want you to promise me that you will say Kaddish on September 20th, 1944. Rabbi Eisman promises him, and he, the short conversation, they say Shema with him, he leaves the hospital, and as he's going back from the hospital, he gets a phone call from this uh, woman who had originally called him to come to the hospital. Um, Lawrence has passed away. He gets back to Passaic. He checks the calendar before Mincha. And what day was it? Well, what was September 20th, 1944? It was the third day of Tisha. It was Song It was that very day. He passed away on his mother's yard site. And he, his last wish was that someone should say Kaddish on his mother's yard site. And that was his mother's yard the day that he passed away. That's when he asked Rabbi Eisenman to say Kaddish. It was that day it was actually his mother's yard site. So there's a certain power in the Nisham of a Jew to ask Hashem for something, to trust in Hashem, and to bring, open the door. Whenever a Jew wants to do something, it says in a good thought, God connects it to an action. That, that phrase has many meanings. One meaning it has, it says in Tanya, that even if you're doing something and you're forcing yourself to do the right thing, you're not really into it. But if you really um, try to generate positive feelings in what you're doing, you really try to put your heart in what you're doing, so Hashem considers it as if you did a mitzvah with love. Even though you didn't have such love, but if you tried, Hashem connects your thought with your action. And the Zohar says, in order for a mitzvah to ascend to Hashem, so you need to have love and reverence for Hashem for it to ascend. But even though, even though your love and reverence wasn't so animating, it wasn't so real, it was just in your mind, not in your heart, says the Alter Rebbe and Tanya, Hashem brings your thoughts to the action and they animate that mitzvah and allow that mitzvah to ascend to heaven. Another meaning of that sentence, as Hasidim are wont to say, Mahshava Tova, you had a good thought. If it was a real good thought, you would have actually done something, you would have rolled up your sleeve. But the Sifri says something fascinating, as a previous Sifri quotes, if Sefri says, If a Jew decides to do something, then God arranges circumstances such so that his his good thought should actually come to action. Hashem allows the thought, the decision of a Jew to be fulfilled, as in this story. He wanted something Kaddish for his mother, and that day he passed away, and that day his mother received a Kaddish. And I want to share with you the featured story for tonight. Um, this is an amazing story, shared by... Ari Smith, uh, to Kvar Chabai magazine, and to Sichat HaShavua, unbelievable story. He was right after Gimel Tamos, 1994, and he meets this person at the Rebbe's Oel, which was just dug two days before, and the man tells, he's, he's, he's with his, his children, 
And he tells this chassid, he says, these children are the Rebbe's children. What does that mean? And Rabari is a, is a noted author, and he managed to bring this man to his home to get the full story. This man's name is Yishaya um, Tzvi Rodner. Yishaya Tzvi Rodner's um, parents came from, from France. And his grandparents also were living in France. And so when they, when their, um, when his, when his parents um, wanted a blessing for children, they're married for many years, not children, they sent a letter to the previous Rebbe to ask him for a blessing for children. And a letter came in the mail blessing his parents with children. Okay. So his parents, shortly after the letter of the previous Rebbe, merited, as in this week's Torah portion, that Avram Avinu was given a blessing for Hashem to have a child miraculously. So the, his parents were blessed with two children, him, Yeshayat Tzvi, and his twin brother. Yeshayat Tzvi and his twin brother were born right after the blessing came from the previous Rebbe. Yeshayat Tzvi grows up, and his brother grows up. And they get married. And they each of them respectively, is unable to father a child. Yeshaya Tzvi went to many different specialists, and among them he went to a certain Dr. Miklet. This Dr. Miklet is a world-renowned doctor, and he told him, I just need to tell you, you need to make peace with the fact that you and your wife will never have a child. He's, he's very distraught. He went out of the doctor's office, went into the street, sat down on a park bench in New York, and just broke, out, broke down crying. He called up his brother. He didn't know this, but his brother also was also um, really trying hard to have children. And doctors told his brother too that they'll, ne- they'll never, he and his wife will also never have a child. So the two brothers called up their father. They said to their father, Dad, what should we do? We're in this circumstance. What should we do? Their father said, Listen, in the merit of the previous Lubavitcher Rebbe, that's how you guys were born, that's how I am a father. And the merit of our Rebbe, the merit of the previous Rebbe's son-in-law, our Rebbe, that's how I'll become a grandfather. Go to the Rebbe. So they went together to the Rebbe. They went together with their wives to the Rebbe for a personal audience. First, Rebbe Yeshaya Tzvi went in with his wife. And they came into the Rebbe. He came in with a thick medical file of all the doctors that he and his wife had visited and all different treatments and tests and things that they've done. And the conclusion of this world-renowned specialist, Dr. Dr. McLeod, who said that it's impossible that they will ever have a child. So the Rebbe smiled, and the Rebbe says, nothing to worry about. You will have children. And he, he like, protested. He said, told the Rebbe, but this is, let me show you, like, this is our medical records. It's not possible for us to have children. So the Rebbe said, your parents and your grandmother will be the babysitters, nothing to worry about, and you'll have children. So they're very, they left it up his room, they were there for quite some time, for about a half an hour, which was a long time in those days, and they were elated, they were, they were walking on sunshine, they came out of his room, wow. His brother and his wife go into his room, and they come out of his room in three minutes. They said, I'll pray for you. No direct promise like he received, I'll pray for you. Okay. I'll, go, I'll mention you by my father-in-law's resting place. Okay. So Yushai Tzvi and his wife 
Baruch Hashem, were blessed immediately with children. And this Dr. McLeod said, you have to thank your God. He said, in all my experience as a doctor, there's, I've never seen anything like this. It's impossible. I don't know how this is possible. It's, it's a miracle of Hashem, and you should really thank your God because there's no way naturally you guys could have a child. And as Rebbe said, you'll have children. In the plural, Rebbe Shayat Tzvi said he always knew that he and his wife would have more children. They merited to have Baruch Hashem three children. Meanwhile, his brother had gone to the Rebbe several times, and each time that he went to the Rebbe, for years, the Rebbe just said to him, I'll mention you in prayer. But finally, on, in the, in, I don't know what year it was, in Shavuos, the Rebbe gave out wine for Kesha Bracha, in general, by the way, as we learned in this week's Torah portion, um, wine that we have at benching time, after you uh, say the, the grace after meals, and you drink from the cup of wine, that's a, as, that's a blessing for children, as Sarah was given the cup of wine and this week's Torah portion, and right afterwards, the next year, she was blessed with a child. So the Rebbe, and Shavuos, he came to the Rebbe, and the Rebbe gave him a clear blessing that the he and his wife will have a child, and that year, Baruch Hashem, uh, they had a child, and as his father had said, we merited to have children because of the blessing of the previous Rebbe, and because of our Rebbe, we merited to have to have grandchildren. And that's the story. Those are the stories I wanted to share tonight, and they highlight how uh, our trust in Hashem absolutely opens the door for Hashem's blessings. And trust in Hashem means that no matter what nature says, doesn't matter. You have absolute trust in no matter whatever's going on in the world, that there'll be absolute goodness, an open way that you could see in every facet of your life. There's even a greater power trusting in Hashem than a promise of a tzaddik. Imagine a tzaddik promises to you something, it's, it's, it's absolute, for sure it's going to happen. But your trust in Hashem is even more powerful. As we see in the, uh, Medrash says this, Medrash says when, when, when Sarah was abducted and taken to the home of the of Paro, so she cried to Hashem and said, Avraham was promised that he would be okay. I left with faith. And yet, I'm here abducted and Avraham is free. How does that make sense? Now, seemingly her words themselves don't make sense. Avraham was okay because he was promised by Hashem he would be okay. Sarah just left with faith in Hashem that she would be okay. So why is she wondering why Avraham is okay and she's not okay? So said the Dirimi Yisrael, the Majlitz Rebbe said this, we see from here that trust in Hashem is even more powerful than a promise of Hashem. Hashem gives a promise as one thing. But a Jew turning to Hashem and trusting in Hashem with all of their whole being, that is even more powerful than, the, than a direct promise from Hashem. As Baal Shemtev said that a Jew with his faith in Hashem, he could cross the ocean with a handkerchief. That's Baal Shemtev said. So he help us all that we should strengthen our trust in Hashem, strengthen our absolute faith in Hashem, that our brothers and sisters in Yisrael will be gesund and stark and freilich and successful and being victorious in this war of goodness over evil, and we should see Tchis HaMesim and Rufu HaShleim and the coming Mashiach, the Karim Mamish. A good Tavach and a Freilich Amen.